Hello, welcome to another episode of the Capital Employed podcast. For this episode, we had the pleasure of being joined by the guys behind the excellent partnership investing newsletter. For now, they have chosen to remain anonymous, which is fair enough, so this is why I don't say their names. It's not because I'm rude. In this episode, they talk us through the characteristics they seek in a business, how they find these companies, and they then provide their thesis for investing in two small caps they think have lots of growth potential. I really enjoyed listening to them and I think you will too. Now, we have some news. To supplement this podcast, we have recently launched the Capital Employed Letter. We will be doing two write-ups per month about stocks that have piqued our interest. These will mostly be stocks with smaller market caps from around the world. So if that sounds like your cup of tea, visit capitalemployed.substack.com and add your email to the list. That's capitalemployed.substack.com. Okay, let's jump into this week's episode. Please enjoy my conversation with the masterminds behind the Partnership Investing Newsletter. Hi guys, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having us, John. Can you provide some information to your backgrounds? Um, how did you get involved in investing? Me, I'm a college student in the Netherlands, uh, currently studying law, so that's a... Uh, <laughs> It's quite far from the investing topic, but uh, in the first year at university, I quickly found a passion for investing uh, as I had some extra money laying around uh, and I tried to find a way to let it grow without uh, being blatantly speculating, I guess. Since then, I really have loved the process of uh, learning about businesses and analyzing them and actually putting my money to work in them and to become a better investor. Fortunately. Uh, I was exposed very early on to great investors, uh, which kind of stirred me uh, onto the right path. You can think about Warren Buffett, Terry Smith, Joe Greenblatt, etc. I avoided, avoided some pitfalls early on, uh, but still, uh, I still had some learnings uh, along that journey. First got to investing in high school. I read several books about investing and I really became hooked about investing when I read about, read about Warren Buffett. My interest in investing encouraged me to study finance and join an investment club. And that's also how we know each other. Yeah. We met at a student investment club uh, here at the local university. And why did you start the Partnership Investing newsletter? Yeah, we've been in contact about investing for some, quite some time now. We came up with investment ideas, we discussed them, and yeah, basically our dream is to start a fund. And this is a way to start one. We pitch stocks to our readers to eventually build a portfolio of 15 to 25 positions. And along the way, we will update our readers about the developments of portfolio companies. We try to post a new article monthly and since we aim for performance, we will not always pitch a new stock per month. But we also post articles regarding investment-related subjects to educate us and our readers. So actually, we try to add value in two ways, pitching high potential stocks and education. It's also a great way to journal and keep ourselves honest about past decisions been a subscriber for a while now I, I really enjoy it. i think it's a fantastic um newsletter really well written as well i like the way you lay out 
the thesis for the different um, companies that you write about. But what type of businesses do you like to invest in? Are there any characteristics or business models you're looking for? Uh, not any specific ones, but I think first and foremost, we're really trying to find businesses that not only do we find interesting, but we really feel excited about over the next five to 10 years. And, uh, we might feel very passionate about the service or products, their technology. Uh, and that's really what's inter- uh, what interests us in spending that much time researching. We might as well enjoy it. So uh, that, that's uh, really how we look at look at it from a first principle standpoint. And then when we actually look at a business, it's really important to us to be curious and interested and to really think about the business uh, as the CEO would, to really think about the company from within, uh, its relationship with customers, suppliers, its place within the industry, how it's perceived, the dynamics in the industry. Those are really the things that we are focused on to find out what everyone in the ecosystem values most. We ask ourselves qualitative questions like, what does this business even exist? What should it grow profitably in the next few years? Does the business actually get better as it grows, for example? And from an investment universe standpoint, we look globally for the best businesses we can find. Uh, mostly focus on the small cap space simply be- because there are more room to grow there. And we try really try to build a portfolio of 15 to 25 stocks uh, of the best investment opportunities we can find globally to compound our capital and to hopefully also learn, teach some things to our readers. We don't rule out any unprofitable companies, but we, we do really focus on a positive unit economics that the company needs to scale very well. So that, that's, uh, in a nutshell, uh, how we look at uh, analyzing businesses and investing in them. Yeah, I've noticed you have companies from all around the world. There's um, a writer about a UK company, Australian, Swedish, American. Where are you finding your best ideas at the moment? What sort of country or region? The markets we are most excited about right now might be the UK, Sweden, Western Europe in general, uh, because there's a valuation gap there and there are some quality companies. So from a geographical standpoint, that's what I would say about it. We're generating uh, ideas in multiple ways, actually. We do screens uh, with particular metrics uh, we like, mostly about the capital allocation, such as return on invested capital and return on capital employed. We find the most interesting companies with stable and increasing return on invested capital. And for most, preferably the companies with the highest return on invested capitals within their industries. An increasing return on invested capital could also imply that the modes are widening. Yeah, and furthermore, we are also coming up with ideas via Twitter. Um, We're talking to other investors. And another idea generation method is via supply chain analysis. In such an analysis, you analyze the supply chain of an industry uh, to find out where the opportunities in a supply chain are. We have not done this yet, but we will spend some more time on this method in the coming time. It is also a good way to learn for for us about an industry. You know, I've noticed most of the business models behind the companies you like 
They seem to be um, subscription type of businesses. It's easier to predict them. And uh, the unit economics are quite a bit clearer about them. So that's, uh, that's very important as well. If we can delve into your portfolio, uh, can you talk about two stocks that you're very bullish on for the long term? What was your thesis for investing? The one I'll talk about today um, is uh, a UK company. Uh, it's uh, Naked Wines. Uh, in my opinion, it's one of the most interesting business models I've come across in the last, yeah, last three years, let's say. Um, so Naked Wines, what they actually do, uh, they sell wine direct to consumer online. So it is a, subscri- a subscription business, like you mentioned. Their subscribers are called angels. And the, actually the funds that the, those angels pay in subscriptions is used uh, to fund uh, the production of the wine. Uh, and then uh, the wine is made by independent winemakers that work with Naked Wines. And Naked Wines effectively uh, finances their production, uh, the production process and sells the wine on their platform. Winemakers with this structure uh, can focus their attention on making the best wine they, they can without focusing on sales and marketing, which is a hassle for them, really. If you just look at the uh, at a twenty five dollar bottle of wine, for example, it only has about eight or ten dollars uh, of wine in it. The rest is just margin for the distributor, for the retailer, and some sales and marketing costs uh, that are mixed up in there. So naked wines really naked uh, really bridges that gap between the actual value you get and what you are paying for, and that's the value proposition to the customer. And uh, we feel uh, the value proposition for the customer is even stronger in the U.S., which is a much larger market. If you look at how the uh, U.S. wine industry uh, is set up, wine makers have to sell through distributors. They basically have to. So Naked Wines cuts off that middleman and the winemaker is better off for it, as is the customer. In our opinion... Naked Wines gets better as it grows because it benefits from some network effects. You can see how winemakers, how more winemakers join the platform, the more variety of wine there is for consumers to buy, which makes it obviously more interesting. And the more consumers join the platform, then Naked Wines has more funds to to make more wine and more winemakers wine might actually uh, be incentivized to join the platform. Uh, there's also some skill advantages that work there, especially in the fulfillment network and the cost of making wines. The unit economics get better with the, with the skill, which they also can share with the consumers or the winemakers. The total industry in the U.S. is $5 billion. Uh, Naked Wines has the largest market share in terms of volume, but not in, ter- in dollar terms. So there's a lot of room to grow there, and it really is a testament of Naked Wines' skill. We basically think Naked Wines at a current valuation could compound its its value at about 15% a year or so in the next five years. So it really is to us a great opportunity to, to compound your capital for the next few years in a high quality stock. Thanks for that assessment of it. It's, it's a company that I hold myself and I'm, I'm very bullish on it too. So it's great to hear your thoughts on it. How about your uh, second company that you're bullish on? Yes, yeah. I wanted to talk about IntelliCheck. Uh, IntelliCheck is a stock we pitched a couple of months ago. It's a US-based company and it's specialized in identification verification. It's a small cap as well. And it's, it's around, it has around 
market cap of around 170 million dollars and it is listed at the at the nasdaq yeah identity theft is a common problem in the us the identities of more than 14 million us citizens were stolen already one is able to buy identity data on the dark web rather cheaply for instance um, social security numbers can be bought for one dollar and a driver's license for twenty dollars yeah, intellijack has the possibility to check these identifications with near certainty um, the u.s identifications have barcodes that can be scanned to prove the validity of the document there is an encrypted code behind every barcode and IntelliCheck has the code behind the encrypted code due to its relationship with the AMVA. And the AMVA is the American Association of Motor Vehicle Administrators. IntelliCheck is the only one with this relationship. And although IntelliCheck offers their service relatively cheaply, uh, the relationship with the AMVA ensures that IntelliJack has gross profits of uh, around 85%. Where IntelliJack has the encrypted code behind the barcode on the, end, on the identifications, competitors use artificial intelligence to reverse engineer identifications and the encrypted code. Reverse engineering the code costs time and money so yeah this is for us it's a it's a competitive advantage intellijack used the technique for identification verification at governmental bodies however since the start of its ceo brian lewis in 2018 they are targeting financial ins institutions instead in 2020 uh, retailers lost around 100 billion dollars at transactions where credit cards uh, were not present. In these transactions, an identity thief could use the FIC ID and the last digits of a credit card to pay. The cost for retailers and banks range from $2,000 to $3,500. And IntelliJack can scan identifications with an efficiency rate of over 99%. So one can imagine the cost savings retailers and banks can achieve with the service of IntelliCheck. Also research shows that the identification verification market generates a revenue of between seven and eight billion dollars in 2020. And this will expand to around 16 billion dollars in 2025. One can imagine the upside potential of IntelliCheck. IntelliCheck is now acquired four of the top 10 US banks as customers in the last couple of years. But only 15% of these banks customers use IntelliCheck services. Uh, we think that due to the advantages of IntelliCheck services and its easy integration, a rapid growth of this implementation rate and thereby its sales is expected. The market cap of IntelliCheck is still small in comparison to their total addressable market.
there are competitors and some other risks. However, due to the combination of the market potential and the superior service they deliver, we think that the risk reward is very valuable. Where, where's the kind of the moat with this business? Would it be kind of once they're ingrained, there's sort of a switching cost element to it? Their efficiency rate is the, is the highest in the industry. And they have cost advantages because of uh, the relationship with the AMVA. And so because of the sole relationship with the AMVA, they're the only ones who can, with near 100% predictability, can verify identifications. Yeah, it's a really interesting uh, company. I'm gonna, I think I might have to add this one to my um, watch list. Okay, guys, thanks for sharing those two um, companies. We're coming to the end of the podcast now. So where can listeners go to find out more information about you and your investment letter as well? Yeah, so uh, people can find us uh, and read our posts uh, and subscribe even if, if they find it interesting at partnershipinvesting.substack.com to partnershipinvesting.substack.com. Uh, and people can also find us on Twitter at partnershipinv. So partnership INV. People can just shoot us a DM if they have any questions. And uh, well, we hope uh, we hope people enjoy our, uh, will enjoy our future posts. I think they will. I think it's uh, your writing's really good. Some really good companies you're spotting. Hopefully, we can get Thank you onto you the podcast again, maybe a bit later yeah. <laughs> with some new ideas. That's great. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having us, John.